All right, welcome everybody to another edition of the Sovereign Mind, Body, and Soul podcast with Coach Jerry. I'm your host, Coach Jerry, and today I am excited to share a very special guest with you today. His name is Coach Tobias. You guys are going to love this interview. Now, if you are sitting here with preconceived notions on what astrology or anything ethereal in the spiritual realm is, I invite you to just be open-minded, set your judgment aside just for a little bit, mm-hmm. and hear what we have to say. I think you might be surprised. Tobias, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, man. Um, I'm really excited to do this with you. We've uh, connected a little bit lately. We've been sharing some love. We've been talking about some pretty interesting things. And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this podcast and be able to learn a lot. And I think that's what this is all about. This is all about being able to experience other people's ideas so that you can form your own. By no means are am I here or us, we are not here to put our beliefs on other people because belief systems can be dangerous. But I'm here to open the realm. I'm here to put that golden touch on people and to get them to think. So I'm excited. I'm excited. That's awesome, man. And, and Tobias is a spiritual coach, but he does many other things. But today we really want to focus on the spiritual element of, of what he does and, and what I do to a, to a large extent. Yes. And you mentioned you mentioned a very powerful word, which is belief. And the thing about beliefs is they're pliable. Beliefs can change. And I think they're meant to change. I believe they're meant to change. Unfortunately, a lot of times that's not our relation with beliefs. They become concretized. They become dogmatic within us. And some people watching this might have certain beliefs that don't resonate with what we're going to talk about today. And they might form judgment or even anger about this. And this might be looked at as divining or occult or even dark energy. And I would just be curious what has been your experience in, in people that have those belief systems and, and what are some ways that you're able to help influence, influence their belief system on what it is that you actually do? Absolutely. I think the first thing that you mentioned that I wanted to just point on before I go into that is that if whatever triggers you, when somebody triggers your belief system, I think that's actually a great opportunity to see the shadow. It, like for me, it's hard for me to just tell my shadow, hey, open up and let me just talk to you. But in, when I'm in the moment with my partner or when I'm speaking to you or anyone that I really feel and have coherence with, and then all of a sudden my belief system gets challenged, that's a time for me to look in. So if anyone feels that during the podcast, I invite them to do that. But for me personally and in my practice, so I am an astrologer and I do tarot for people as well. And a lot of people come to me with ideas of wanting to know the truth of x y and z whether it be relationships or money or career or life purpose and i always actually before i start my reading i usually go a little bit into depth about a little bit of history and i like to open up the idea of different possibilities so that they don't think that they're coming into a place of finding out an answer without them finding the answer right i don't want them to look at it for me so in terms of belief systems I always try to gear them towards the possibility of looking within because that's the best way that I found for me personally to figure out what belief systems am I actually holding and how can I maneuver my belief systems? Because Mm -hmm. like you said, we feel like they're concrete, especially when it comes from family and friends when we're younger or if we're part of a religious belief system then it stays pretty concrete for a while until we really open up the doors. I took a whole 180 when I was younger. I remember I went from being 
very, not very Catholic, but going to a Catholic church to fully becoming atheist. And I think that's what it took for me to also be open to spirituality as a whole. But I would say that for me in my practice, the best thing to do is to start my reading off with the ability to express openly about all ideas and all forms. I also don't like to tell people that they are wrong right away, especially if that's my own belief, right? I like to ask them, why do they think that? Or how or a good question actually that I like to ask is how many thoughts do you think are actually your own? That's a great one that I think gets people to think how many thoughts are my own? Yeah. And, I, and, and that's a big one that I like to ask. Yeah. yeah, for me, what comes up there is um, the truth of the matter is all anything that you're contemplating or trying to break down, the more simple you can make it, the more likely you are to find what resonates with you. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean about personal truths. It's like what resonates, where, what is your, what can lead you down the next path of discovery and enlightenment? Um, and in this particular instance, it's about a Zen Koan, for example, right? It, it, it's a riddle that you look at as like a sentence, a couple sentences, but you cannot solve it through your mind. You must use a different strategy. But in this particular example, if we, I mean, we can use even yin and yang. Yang is the, the masculine energy of the universe. The yin is the feminine energy of the universe. Even more simply put, yang is output. Yang, the male energy gives, right? Thrust, yep. Yeah, thrust. The male energy is what we tend to project. The male energy is when we are uh, immersed in the external world. And the feminine energy is what receives. Yeah. So if we are dogmatic, if our beliefs are 100% concretized, if we're convinced we know what God is and that God has uh, uh, the ability to be disappointed in us, what have you. And I'm not saying I'm not saying if that's your belief, it's wrong. I'm just saying when we have that concretized belief, we are completely in our masculine and we are not able to receive and go inward and be in our feminine. And this goes for males, females, all of us. But this leads me to my curiosity. So we talked about you helping people open their minds and their hearts to a different way of maybe considering the universe that they live in. What is your personal view on spirituality? Yeah, that's such a good question. Because spirituality is so broad. And like when you look at other people who have gone so deep into enlightenment, they all come out with different answers. But there's also an interesting um, commonality, which is this beautiful, like union of one. And that's what I call like my podcast and the business, like your one love, like finding that and making sure that it's something that you find coherence with. But for me, spirituality is an ongoing process of self-improvement. If I were to make it a very easy statement or a very easy sentence for me, that's what it is. It's, it's the ongoing part is important because if I feel like I know what God is or I feel like I've done enough work on myself, then it stops. And now the journey of life stops and me trying to figure out what God is stops. And then there's no more fun. So it's the ongoing process of self-improvement. And maybe I should add something to the end, which now maybe it's a download, but so the ongoing process of self-improvement towards love or unconditional love actually would be better because if I'm self-improving in a way that is just material and I'm not thinking about other people in my journey, I'm not thinking about my partner in my journey or my kids or anyone that's involved in my life, which I don't have kids yet, but I'm just saying that it's important to know who's in that circle, right? And so for me, that's what it is. It's just that ongoing process. Yeah. And you mentioned something very powerful, which is that one love and yeah. the self-improvement. And 
the one love, my model of coaching, and I'm sure Tobias has a similar one. We define what it is you're doing this for, the self-improvement game. And the reason why that word love, that energy, love, mm-hmm. the symbolism. <laughs> love. The reason why it's so important on that self-improvement journey is because the self-improvement journey can easily be a way to provide ample opportunity every day for you to experience the feelings or beliefs of not enough, unworthy, can't do, I don't know. Mm. And the way we get there is by not accepting where we're at currently and not loving where we're at currently and thinking when I get to a certain place, then I will begin to accept myself. I will begin to love myself. But here's the simplicity and all this boil it down. Let's turn this into a Zen koan. Not literally. I'm not that wise. But <laughs> Oh, yes, you are. Metaphoric. If we were to just symbolize this and, and what that actually is, is, the irony and the simplicity and the beauty of this is once you realize you are acceptable and lovable just as you, just as you are, but you also can accept the fact that you love yourself enough to do what's right for you. Mm. then your wins begin the very first step the very first day your very first breathwork session your very first introspective dive your very first gym workout if you haven't been in years you're winning yeah and you that's a i was just gonna i was just gonna say that's a what you said there is so important and when you find people that don't know how to have enough love for themselves to start that process that's like the biggest thing that maybe all coaches experience, but it's that turning point. Like, how do I get this person to love themselves enough to make the change? And that's a big one. Because if you get someone to do all the workouts, to eat very healthy, to look into their trauma and archetypes that they formed, but they don't want to do it for themselves or something maybe even greater than themselves, then it's very hard to keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's who taught you? This was the checklist to follow. That too. Yeah. Keep keeping it open. Yeah. yeah. That's and their that, checklist. That's not yeah. yours. No, it's, it's, yours. Ne- it's never yours. Like, think about it. Most of our thoughts aren't even actually coming from who we are. They're coming from other people who have thought of other things. So it makes sense that you always have to ask why. And, and that's a big word too, is like the why. But yeah, it's important. I'm sure your listeners are into this stuff. And I'm sure a lot of them are trying to understand their why. But what do you think your view on spirituality is i know i spoke about mine but i'd love to hear yours what is it that gets you going and what does it mean for you as a whole yes my personal view on spirituality is that our one and one infinite creator whatever you want to call that you want to call that god you want to call that source you want to call that zero point field whatever it is unconditional love Mm. and where we get stuck thinking that we aren't accepted we aren't loved we aren't in favor of God, that it's due to life circumstances, that is due to something that didn't work out well. I prayed for it and it didn't happen. Yeah. But really, everything is a gift. So anything that we look at as something that bad that happened to us, that teaches us a lesson if we are willing to go from our masculine projection of everything, projection, projecting onto the world what God is, projecting onto God what we need from God to feel loved and accepted, to go on into our feminine and saying, what can I learn from this? And how did I create this? And Mm -hmm. that's how you can directly interpret source creation. God as unconditional love because everything that happens to you happens for you. Yes. And if we are the microcosm of the macrocosm, which I believe we are, this is a holographic universe. 
And you are not a drop of the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And that ties directly into biblical philosophy of being made in God's image. Mm-hmm. And if God is going to create you, the entire universe thought you worthy of a body. The entire universe thought you worthy of a soul and consciousness. And so for us to really believe that we've got it figured out enough to be able to determine, decipher what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable, when we're worthy, when we're not, then we are not living in the Christ consciousness. Exactly. That is the whole personal living hell that we create. And that's, and you know what, a lot of people will play devil's advocate and also take what you said with, okay, if everyone is an image of, of God, why are there bad people in the world? Why do people do negative things? But like you said, there's the yin and the yang. So source energy has to have negative outcomes as well, because at the end of the day, we don't come into the world as saints. We all have gone and done things that are definitely not what a saint would probably do. And we've learned and we've grown. And maybe our parents told us to do better. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was someone that stopped us in our tracks. But if we continued onward and didn't have that aha moment or you shouldn't do that, it's not good for you. That's not how you want to be in society. Then yeah, you may go down a bad path, but that is what source needs because how can you know good without bad? It's like our conversation. If it was just you speaking here by yourself, it wouldn't be as entertaining because there isn't another person speaking about their ideas too. That's That would be my response because I already know that there's going to be someone shooting that up there. Yeah, and, and to your point, it's like we like to create this bifurcation of God and Satan and who mm-hmm. creates Satan, right? And if God is eternal love, there's debate on whether the God that created us is the almighty, infinite one. and But that's not worth debating, in my opinion, at in this show. But if you think about why would God send Satan down to rule the earth, is it to punish all the bad people or is it to show you the infinite love that is there? Because you don't know, many of us, you were you, you went through a period of atheism, I went through a period of atheism, and I had to experience the direct feeling of hell to even consider that there's a God. Yes. And I like to ask, I like to ask people, do you believe that God would use Satan to bring you closer to God? And some people aren't ready to admit that. And when in your darkest times, who do you talk to? What does it take for you to take a pause from this matrix we live in? The Satan's matrix, prince of this mm-hmm. kingdom. What does it take for you to take pause and get real with your faith again? So it's usually some dark times, right? But I'll go right to Isaiah 45, 7. And... Granted, this is just one interpretation. There are multiple interpretations. Most of them don't have this language in it. That's a whole other podcast in its own. But (laughs) today, I'm going to take this one because it resonates. Mm. There is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Literally. Literally and configuratively it's speaking both <laughs> yes so where do we get where do we get stuck we, we, we think the devil's got a hold of us and i'm not saying there aren't such things as dark attachments and, and what have you underworld whatever you want to call it but that's a different subject yeah but if our true eternal essential soul nature is that of light right yes we only know we are in the dark when there is an absence of light exactly is that it only takes one match to light up the whole cave. Mm -hmm. One sparse bit of light, now it's not dark. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's that journey of the light that you're speaking about. It's like, who 
Where did that light come from? Or maybe even before that, how did the light turn off? And then where did the light come from to match that whole cave? And that experience of where it came from is the journey. It's that journey of going from dark to good. And that's also, I think, a big part of maybe my spiritual definition that I'm now thinking about is the journey. I think the journey is key. If I don't enjoy the journey, because look, right now I'm 23 years old. I'm about to turn 24 in March, but I still wait a lot of, there's definitely a lot of mental battles of wanting to be successful, whatever that looks like in my mind, or wanting to understand God even more, or Mm -hmm. wanting to have these experiences of source and all that stuff so much because of what I hear and, and the people that I look up to and all that stuff. But at the same time, when I think about them and I think about when they were my age, they were still going through a lot of things. And if I don't enjoy the journey, I'm going to forget when I was 23 and I could move very fluently. I didn't have any problems with my body or anything, which you shouldn't have problems when you're older. But there's a difference when you get older. And I'm going to forget about that. So I have to enjoy the journey now and I have to be very present or else I will forget about it. And I think that's a big part of the whole spiritual journey, just understanding God, because you in itself are him. Yeah. Yeah. And if we can cast our fear aside and consider the fact that God isn't angry and that God isn't vengeful and wrathful, because we have to we we have to admit this is true. The Bible was canonized. The Bible was and our entire world is canonized right now. Right. You're not allowed to speak about your authority. Yeah. And we have to say this is the if this is the devil's kingdom, (laughs) if this is Satan's kingdom, this is Lucifer's lair. And this is how Lucifer rules his lair. <clears throat> Maybe some of that was involved. But again, I don't want to I don't want to stomp on anybody's heart here. And this is just things that come up in my mind. If you're open to that, then you can see Christianity in every belief system. Yeah. What is the Dharma? What is the Tao? The just enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. And so if you thought have you thought about that? And what have you come up when you compare the Dharma, the Tao, Hopi traditions, anything that you find interesting, and compare that to the way Christ consciousness? Yeah, they're all, they really are all very similar. They're not the exact same, but they all lead to the same position, which is Christ consciousness. That's truthfully mm-hmm. what it is. If, if I were to just put in a little box for people to understand, they are not the exact same and they absolutely have their differences in the way that they operate, maybe the things that they allow and don't allow, which already is an issue in itself because you're putting a box in what enlightenment means. But yeah. the goal at the end of all of those journeys is Christ consciousness, the Dharma, the feeling of enlightenment and feeling like you are one with everything, one with source. So that's the problem is if you are, if you believe in one religion, that's the one question that I love to ask people in those communities, especially like my, my mother's side of the family is very religious in Christianity, mainly Catholicism. But I always used to ask my grandma, how about Muslims? And how about Islam, like how about all these other religions or Buddhists? What do you think of them? And and it's funny because they usually don't have an answer or they'll say, oh, they'll beat around the bush and just say something like, oh, it's it, it, they, they just have their belief. But yeah. your belief says that yours is the one. That's the problem that I'm having with this. So I always used to ask those questions and get very curious about what is the truth, but they can never answer the question. And that's the problem. If you can't answer the question with authority and with feeling like you have some sort of knowledge or understanding, then I'm going to continue to question. Right. right. And if you don't have an answer, have you ever asked yourself the question? Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the reality, too, that this was translated from a very cryptic language. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. it can be easily misinterpreted. So as we spoke before the podcast about words and how what words and language really is a symbolism. Yeah, symbolism, spelling, casting spells, making people understand things in the subconscious mind. Words are extremely powerful. The, the, the things that you say will have so much power in your life. And if you write it down, it'll have even more power because you're actually putting it into the material world. So it, it is important to know that words are symbols and they do have power. It's just like when you read tarot, the tarot has symbols. They have yeah, color. They have symbols. It's alive. It's alive. Yep. And it's, it's part spelling. of <laughs> Yes, it's literal spelling. Yeah, people definitely have to be aware of that. I don't people don't have to do research on letters and stuff the way that we love. But I think they just have to be aware of their words or just their thoughts. What mm-hmm. do you think of? Do you think oh, like a lot of people say, I don't have enough time and they feel a little bit down that they have no time. But if we erase that sentence and say, you could totally say something else like I do have way more time. But if you don't want to be delusional, you can also say, I don't have time right now, but I can make time. And that changes everything right then and there. Words are extremely powerful for sure. And I'm pretty sure, I don't remember which religion it was, but I think, I don't remember which one, but I know there's one that says that the universe was spoken into existence. Yes. I don't remember which religion it was, but it literally, literally was the words of this being that created the universe so yes and what are words mm, symbols vibration symbols what is the sacred geometry of the universe oh right. sacred geometry is a whole it's, another rabbit dude, hole of it, right and yeah if you if I, my opinion uh, is if you close that off you're putting god in a box and yep. you're ignoring the beautiful creation that is there in front of you you can't ignore that mathematics plays a part in creation you can't ignore that that shapes and symbols are embedded in our psyche. And Dr. Carl Jung, amazing, beautiful. He's a psychologist, but a philosopher. Man of many things. <laughs> man of many things, just deeper than deep, yo. And, but I often think about like how tarot goes and not that I'm an expert by any means. When you draw some cards and, and that sparks something up in your psyche and in your subconscious, how is that any different than dreaming? Yeah, it's not at all. I mean, we could, we, God is dreaming itself into existence. So we could be dreaming right now for all I know, right? So <laughs> it's what you're saying is true. And I don't know about you, but my dreams have been so vivid lately. You mentioned Oof. dreams. And I've yeah. been, you know what I found, which, so not off topic, but you were talking about the gene keys and you're talking about the book, right? Yeah. You know how the book also shows you amino acids and yes, vitamins, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So yes. for my life purpose gene key, I, I don't remember exactly. I think it's 22 or maybe a different number. I, I'm not exactly sure. But there is an amino acid there that said glycine. So I thought, okay, this is interesting. When I was younger, I took glycine just once. I don't know why. I probably just read it somewhere. And then uh, I slept really good when I took it when I was younger. And I haven't taken it for years. And I thought, let me buy it again and just let me see what happens. So I took glycine about a week ago before bed. And I had the craziest dream I ever ha- I've probably ever had in my life. And it continues to persist every time I take it. So I stopped taking it. My dreams went away like that. And I, I went back to take it. And they were extremely vivid, like to the point where I can write like pages of what happened, feeling the feeling of those dreams. Yeah. And it's so interesting how that's that works. I don't yeah. know what that is yet. I haven't been able to decode it because it's very, you know, it's uh, very it's happened very soon. But it's interesting. It is. 
I'd love to know how that cat got it. Whoever, that dude that wrote that book is wild. Oh, Where, yeah. That's a lifetime of work. And this dude pins it down, guys. It's called Gene Keys. If you're open-minded to deep, deep thought, deep introspection, the it's, true nature of creation and you in it, which is a lot about, in my opinion, my observation is a lot about why astrology can be so powerful when someone gets an astrological reading or someone who's very skilled in tarot or it even comes in through an Enneagram readings. When I do them, I don't do anything near what you do, but it's the same energy. It's the same connection. It's the same one plus one equals three. Yes. And, but people don't really understand a lot about what astrology is. And I'll give you an example. There's a you know, good friend of mine and he's very intelligent and for the most part, open-minded, but he thinks astrology is just garbage. And I asked him to, astral bodies can move oceans what can that do to you well they've proven it doesn't do that much and i'm like every woman goes on a 28 day cycle when she gets off of her 28 day cycle there's something wrong there might be a correlation 28 days is an important thing so Mm -hmm. can you break down for some of the listeners who might not be familiar with astrology maybe some of the kind of common myths and misconceptions and what astrology is to you yeah let's see so the first thing that i think people The reason why I think people think astrology isn't real or it doesn't play any factor in your life at all is be and I truly believe it's because here in the Western world, I don't think this I don't think that people are I think people in the Eastern world are more open to the idea of astrology. And I'll explain Mm -hmm. why in a second. But here in the Western world, when we got our information from all of the older astrological texts and the Sanskrits there was the library of Alexandria pretty much held most of these old Sanskrits and techniques of astrology, numerology, right? The school of Pythagoras, all of this stuff was in the library of Alexandria. And at that time, India or Asia as a whole, they were trading information. They were trading a lot of information and goods and services with the people from ancient Greece and also the, the Romans. So, they were getting a lot of information about astrology and they were intertwining this information with their own, which is obviously Vedic astrology, sidereal Mm -hmm. astrology, all these different forms of astrology or Chinese astrology. And the once the library of Alexandria burns down, we only get a couple of texts that finally make it to the to the Western world. And then all of the people in the Eastern world that have also older religions that are a little bit more open minded than what we have Mm -hmm. over here, like Mm -hmm. Hinduism and all that stuff or Buddhism, it's much more open-minded. still has some rules, but it is more open. Just yeah, Not to cut you off, but you're more yeah, likely no, to find a Hindu or a Buddhist that is loving in Christ, adores Christ, has reverence for Christ than the other way around. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, their form of astrology and some of the techniques that they have, especially in Vedic astrology, is actually much older and more profound than the techniques that most Western astrologers use. Now, as it evolved over time, the people here in the Western world started to use astrology to make money. They would use it to capitalize and they would use your sun sign as your sign in the horoscope. And of course, it was very generalized because your birth chart is very unique to you. And if you're not looking at your own birth chart and you're not looking at every planet, then there's going to be a big issue with just reading your sun sign because your sun sign is only your ego. It's only your identity. It's only a piece of who you are, which is your soul. But your rising sign and your moon sign carry either just amount of weight 
and sometimes it could actually hold even more weight because the rising sign will dictate how you can actually predict and or and I don't like to use the word predict, but how you can give people more guidance based off of what's coming up in the future. So what's interesting is that Vedic astrologers and astrology in the Eastern world, they actually give more governance to the moon, the moon sign that you carry. We're here in the Western world. We have more influence or people believe more in their sun sign. Because if I ask somebody, what astrological sign are you? They'll say their sun sign. But if I were to go to India, they would say their moon sign. And the moon can be very important because the moon governs your emotions, how you think. And it governs the feminine side to you, where the sun is the masculine. So we were talking about one. We were talking about creation. You need both the sun and the moon to have both. The rising sign is your physical body and your interests and hobbies. It's the person you see when you just meet them on the outside. Like right now, people may not think I'm a Pisces, even though I am based off of my sun sign, but I'm a Virgo rising. So I have that energy of the Virgo as well within my blueprint, let's just say. Mm. And so I think that's the, the, I think that's the issue. But I think overall, the common myth is that people think that it doesn't affect us but the the best thing that i could counteract with that is there's a lot of things that you can't measure in life especially feelings and emotions mm -hmm. especially strong ones like when you have a child or your parent and you love them if the, if you can't measure that but you have that feeling or when someone dies and you love them you start to cry so much and you feel that energy at a funeral you can't measure that it's not something that you can see either but the same thing happens with the planets and the same thing happens with biogeometry. The same thing happens with a lot of things that we were talking about that you can't actually see with your eyes. What's very real. And a lot of other things happen too in astrology, just like how our bodies are mainly made up of water and the moon affects the tides of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And every time that there's a full moon, it will affect the water in the ocean. And what? why would it not affect the water inside of us if it's affecting the entire ocean? Yeah. And it does. Most healthy women their periods will be regulated and it'll follow the cycles of the moon. Usually they'll bleed during the full moon and then they'll restart their whole process. It's very common and our bodies are connected to the sky. Now, do the planets influence how you operate and what you actually do in life? Do they tell you to have a chocolate bar in the morning? No, they do not. There may be a placement in your chart that might say you really struggle with making decisions or maybe you struggle with eating. I could see yeah. that for sure. But the way that I like to communicate it with people and get them to get out of that is by empowering them and telling them this might be an issue. This could come from childhood trauma for sure. And it shows up in the chart. That's cool. Yeah. We have to accept who we are sometimes, but we have to also make changes so that we can move towards enlightenment. And that's how I explain, you know, the chart to people. But it is very real. A lot of people actually use astrology for the stock market. I personally don't. I'm not into that. It would stress me out. <laughs> but um, there are people that fully will use astrology for the stock market. Uh, financial crisis. Look, Pluto was in Aquarius in March of 2023 for a couple of months. Uh, crypto was going amazing. Artificial intelli intelligence was, was booming. And Aquarius is the sign of social media, technology, AI, and um, electricity. So you can expect those things to be very prominent for the next 20 years. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of gold, a lot of gold, man. Yeah, uh, there's so much stuff. We <laughs> yeah, you're on it, man. You're on it. No, seriously. But you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things that I'd love to touch up on here. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most recent water. You mentioned water, mm. uh, the effect of water. And now if we take a look at like symbolism and maybe we'll look at Tarot. Yeah. Yeah. So bring what it, can you connect it. to? What can you connect to water, Tarot? Yeah. Yes. Bodies moving water within us. 
Yeah, so in, in tarot, there's a couple things that come to mind. The first one, you could look at the moon as obviously as a card where it shows feminine energy and the water is there with some cards. It's the lobster or the crab, but it's underneath. And it's because the lobster and the crab is coming in and out of the water. It comes out of its shell and it goes back in. It follows the tides of the moon. And in tarot, that also symbolizes a lot of mental thinking or emotional stability or instability, depending on how it shows. That's the moon. The moon comes up, it goes down very quickly. The moon goes up and it changes phases, just like a woman. Her emotions can yeah. very much be changed during her cycle, where men, we wake up, we're ready to go, literally. And we're like the sun. Everything gravitates around the sun. The sun yeah. is what holds it together. And so if a father's not present in a marriage, things break down. But that's essentially how you want to compare the two. Now, there's other cards in tarot that have a lot of water elements. Of course, all of the cups in the pip cards will show water as a whole. But the temperance is a great one, too. She's moving. She's creating alchemy and chemistry with the two cups, right? She's like putting the water through each version. Usually, it shows angelic guidance and other forms of understanding and being able to have some patience. But when we look at the moon, sometimes we need to have patience with the things that we're moving in. Water holds a lot of emotions too. So water holds a lot of things. It's very yin. If you want to heal from an injury, like I sent you my picture of my calf and I'm like, I need to heal. I need to have really good water right now. And yeah. I need to move away from things that are more masculine. I need to move away from coffee because that's drying my body, not mm -hmm. allowing me to heal. So if I look at the birth chart, we're looking at where's the moon and how is that going to help with that process instead of looking at things that are fiery energy because that yeah. causes motivation and ambition, which is fine, but not when we're in a state of healing. Another card that you can throw in there is, I had it on my head for a second. It's not the star. The star does have water involved in it, and it is the sign of Aquarius. Usually they give that sign to that card. But anyways, I can't think of it right now. But those are some cards that I would intertwine with water as a whole and just thinking about how water is very feminine, how it holds energy and how it's constantly moving. It's always going back and it's always moving forward. Just like your partner. If you have a partner, you have to be aware of her emotions. And if you're not emotionally available to hold those emotions for her at the right time, the relationship will most likely not succeed or you'll stay in a relationship where you're not happy because she's not being validated to a certain degree with her emotions. And that's what I always say to people is you have to be very aware of how that operates. Like in a birth chart, you can see usually how a man thinks with his emotions and if he's emotionally available yeah. um, by looking at his moon placement. Um, it also show, I mean, outside of that, it'll show sometimes your relationship with your mother. And that's another important part, right? Where we're looking at trauma yeah. or we're trying to understand any archetypes. How is this person's relationship with their mom and how is it with their dad? So we look yeah. to the fourth house, we look to the 10th house, we look to the moon and we look to the sun. And then we figure that out from there. That's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. And to the listeners out there, if you find yourself compelled to be around water, maybe the river's calling you and listen to oh, that. So healing, man. Anecdotally, my awakening happened. I just did a podcast with Josh Tran on wellness wisdom. So I go into that. I go into this, this story um, rather in depth, but. Well, I got to listen to that. That's just cool. the short version for y'all was like, it was a literal it wasn't just this gradual process. Yeah, it was, it was gradual. But when I realized it, it was this literal moment in time. And there was bighorn sheep involved. My father was involved. My wow. first conversation with God that I can never remember was involved. And it was I just in moving water, bro. And oh. I became obsessed. I hated fishing my whole life, right? Go, you've seen my chart, so that doesn't surprise you. Hated fishing my whole life, right? 
And for about three, four years leading up to this, this awakening, I'd become obsessed with fly fishing and moving water, river water. So guys, if you're being compelled, especially if you're going through maybe a stagnant time in your life or battling anxiety or not sure what your purpose is, what have you, feeling stuck, moving water, oh, help. Man, but that brings man. me to the opposite, the sun, right? Mm. So the sun, and we talked about this in previous conversations, and the sun being, I guess it would be similar to, in my work uh, with the Enneagram personality, which I use much like you use astrology, it's not, it's not something set in stone and your sun is a good indication of who you're not truly. So we can find out who you truly are at the essential soul level. Yep. But a lot of people really believe whether they're, whether it's their sun sign or their personality type, that this is just who I am. It's almost set in stone. What, what are some bits of advice you can give to our listeners on your take on that and why it might be a little off base or a lot? Yeah. Oh yeah, very, very off base because the best thing to do, the best advice is to look for your, you have to know your time of birth at the end of the day. If you know your time of birth, then you can figure this out. In the United States, I believe it's given on a birth certificate. I know in Canada it isn't. So if you're from Canada, you, you'll have to, or from other places in the world, I'm not sure, but you'll have to actually figure it out with your family doctor or whatever, or go to the hospital that they might have it there too. But the best thing to do is know your time of birth and punch it into an online calculator and find your rising sign. Your rising sign will be the sign that's in the first house. The number one will be there. And that is the most important part in terms of actually feeling like you can listen to an astrologer whenever they give a prediction or a general basis of what's going on. Because the rising sign will dictate the rest of the houses. So if you're a, if I'm a Virgo rising, right? So if I'm a Virgo rising, that's my first house. Each house is going to follow in order, right? So then Mm -hmm. Libra will show up then Scorpio, then Sagittarius. And so even though I'm a Pisces, which would fall in my seventh house and my Virgo rising is in my first house. So they're actually opposite. If I always listen to what people are saying about Pisces, it might be very off. Why? Mm -hmm. Because if I look at the transits in the sky and I look at all of the planets in the sky currently, the planets will be falling or they'll be comparing to certain houses in my birth chart. So now if I change my rising sign to Sagittarius rising, the the planets that are falling into my birth chart will actually change houses. So that Mm -hmm. says something totally different because if in the first example, being a Virgo rising, let's say, let's say the sun is in my first house and this would be very good for me to network with people, build friends, maybe find a new hobby, stuff like that. But if the sun is in my 12th house, this is not really a good time to do that because the 12th house is the house of the subconscious. It's the house of stealing. Sometimes bad things could happen to people during that time. It's the house of introspective work, truthfully, because if you try to really initiate something during that time, it's hard. There's a lot of stagnation sometimes. So you have to be aware of your rising sign. So that's the big difference. The sun holds a lot of weight. I call it X marks the spot because it's a circle with a dot in the middle. So it's like you do want to get there and you do want to feel like that, but don't attach yourself to it because every planet in the chart matters. If I'm trying to understand your love life, I'm definitely looking at your Venus sign because I want to know what your desires are. I want to know how your desires show up in life. That's very important. If you just associate yourself, I'm I'm a Pisces, but, or I'm a Sagittarius, or I'm a Virgo, and I'm not compatible with another sign, just based off of your sun sign, it would be very incorrect. There's a, I, I get a lot of people that they, their sun signs are not compatible. 
but yeah. a lot of the other planets are and that helps mm -hmm. their relationship so much because even though their sun sign isn't compatible maybe the venus is and mars so they have great sex life they got good desires they believe in the same things and that helps a lot or maybe the moon so they yeah. both have very similar way of dealing with emotions uh, or yeah. the way they communicate so that's a very important part to to tap into for sure hell yeah man so, dude, a guy with your life history and your interests and your areas of wisdom and expertise, you can serve humanity pretty much at any level you want. What is it within you? What does your energy gift look like? How do you want? Yeah, How very... would you see yourself serving humanity? Yeah, yeah. What's in long term? So based off of what, what I personally want, or are you asking also how my codes are showing? Like no, my... uh, how would you like to serve humanity? What is it within your heart that says, this is the gift that I can give you? Mm. For me, the gift mm -hmm. that I can give people is the ability to receive information and or teach or recite that information in an easier way for other people to understand so that mm -hmm. they can go do their work. I feel like I'm really good. Like a gift of mine is receiving and then spitting out, receiving, spitting out. I have this mm -hmm. very good ability to learn quickly, especially when I, I'm invested in something. Mm -hmm. And then I have the ability to teach people what it is that I learned or give them the information and the tools to be better. I definitely have an I have a knack for reading a birth chart for sure. And I know that I've done a couple other readings, like I've done Akashic Record readings, and I know that my third eye was turned on at a younger age and all of these other things that I guess show that I should be of service to people. Yeah. But in terms of what I feel in my heart, I know I'm very good at listening to people's emotions. I'm good at giving advice. I'm very present. I have a good ear. I know that I'm actually listening and not just paying attention yeah. when people give their emotions to me. And I tend to have this ability to, I don't want to say channel, but speak through spirit so that they can find guidance. And that's a lot of my readings. I, I used yeah. like, I, like a lot of the times when I'm just out and about with my partner or I'm just out and it comes up where I'm an astrologer and somebody wants a reading. If I sit there and I just take a little breath and I look at their chart, I'll ask my soul to guide me to what it is that they need instead of me trying to analyze the yeah. birth chart, because you can get into this whole science and mathematical side of astrology where you forget that it's spiritual. Right. Yeah. And so I tell my soul to guide me. And those readings are always the most profound because I tap into something that my soul is telling me to get into. I'm not trying to control the situation. Um, and I do the same with tarot. I allow the symbols to show me what they're showing me, but I never, I don't try to give myself a lot of rules or else I can't tap into that realm. When yeah. that's exactly what I was telling you with my mentor that was teaching me ancient tarot, the pip cards that do not have any symbols behind of them, behind them. It's very hard to imagine what that means because in the Rider Waite deck and onward, there's a lot of cards that might look very negative on the pip cards. Yeah. Um, you might see someone holding a lot of wands and they look like they're very stressed or their face looks very stressed. But yeah. if you just see seven wands and you go, okay, this is a fire element. This is the number seven. What does this mean? And what are the other cards there? What is my intuition telling me for this person? Right? So you got to think of that. I, that's why I like the cards with a lot of colors and images can sometimes distort my ability to tap in maybe for other yeah. people it doesn't. And by all means you, you do you, but yeah. that's my thing. I think a gift of mine is just that's why I love podcasting. I'm so excited to bring out my podcast in May. And 
it just it gives me the ability to say what is inside because I need to get yeah. it out. I need to get it out. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm feeling you. And for our conversation, and and maybe you can tell me if what in the stars is the impetus for this. But like my big issue with how I market and brand myself and, and myself, but mm-hmm. how I show up is anything that's inauthentic just feels wrong. And anytime I try to do it, it's I literally stutter. I literally can't and you shouldn't yeah and i shouldn't and and to your point too about the about the the readings and these tie in so it is almost not almost but i really believe anytime you detach from your soul guidance your heart's guidance and you go to the head you're going to be inauthentic because that's not you that exactly a part of you lives but it's not you it's part of your guidance and you just brought up something in me when you describe what happens within you with reading a chart and the exact same thing happens to me. And this is very similar to what I'm describing. For instance, someone just books with me and they want an Enneagram reading and they send me a screenshot of their chart. Yeah. Right. I look at it and it just, yeah, I know what's going on. But as soon as they're in front of me, it's a completely different thing. Like, I don't even have to question if what I'm saying is accurate. I just... You know, I boom and I say, does this resonate? Is that true? Yeah, just confirm. Ask some questions. And it just, it's that one plus one equals three dynamic. And the power in all of this is, I believe, it doesn't matter if your thing is personality work, if it's tarot, if it's astrology, it's more about that one plus one equals three. Both connecting to create a higher energy, two higher selves connecting to create something that's more special. It's that trinity. Yeah, that trinity and everything. Trinity, right? Um, so it's just powerful. I just want to throw that out there, but it's just kind of a personal revelation for me. And to be honest with you, it was to do a podcast like this is something that my heart has been calling for. My soul has been calling for, but my head has been saying, talk about carbohydrates, talk about we need uh, to dumb your th- shit down for people and go more towards a niche because that's what they say to do on TikTok. It really is like the yeah, ego man. trying to run the show, the head trying to run the show. And it just, well, it's been it felt so good to you have also, conversation with you, bro. Yeah, thank you, man. This is love. This is really love. Yeah. I, I say this with my heart open because it's hard to find people that are authentic. It's also hard to find people that want to talk about these things mm-hmm. because it's a soft subject. And this, truthfully, in my opinion, uh, real spiritual growth is probably the hardest thing to do in life. Harder than trying to be a millionaire, harder than all of these things because it's introspective. I don't see my growth on the outside. I see how much money I make. I see, you know, how many times I get to see my kid if I was like a stepdad. Like I see these things, but you can't see your own growth towards enlightenment. It's very hard. And I really do believe it's the hardest thing in life. But I am more than happy to take that path because what else is there to do? And I appreciate that. And and like you were saying, this stuff is it's real and it's very powerful a lot of people's lives get changed just by going to someone that does it the right way and that's my big my my red flag for people out there that are looking for readers or other people that want to help in a, in a special way or in a way that's not mainstream be aware of how that person operates are they actually doing the spiritual work yeah. or are they doing this for money do they see that it can bring a lot of income and they want to run away from their nine to five job so they do it or are they doing it because there's a calling Um, that's a very important factor. Everyone has their story and how it shows up in their lives. Man, for me, that you talking about water, 
for me, it was the exact same thing. And I say it till this day, I actually made a TikTok video about this a very long time ago. And it, it went viral because I guess I might have spoken to somebody else that had this experience. Yeah. But after my ayahuasca ceremony and this the, it was the first time I ever did ayahuasca, but it wasn't a big dose. I found some place in, in Canada close to me, about three, four hours away, where they only give about a very small dose. It's almost like a shot. It's almost like mm -hmm. a shot of vodka or something. Mm -hmm. It's like a sacrament. That's actually what they called it when you get the host in, at church. So it was a shot of ayahuasca. So I thought that it was going to do something to me, right? A lot. The first shot didn't really feel much. There was a lot of drumming, a lot of energy, but it was like a religion. I think they call it actually, now that I'm remembering, it's called the Santo Daimi. It's a Brazilian mm -hmm. form of ayahuasca and like indigenous energy. It's like yeah. a whole mixture. And so... I went there, I had the experience, and I did get to experience some things that I went through in terms of me and my partner and my family, and that was great, but it wasn't anything profound. Sure. So I come back home, I do feel a lot more enlightened, I, feel, I, I could feel more love in my life, and I went to the lake near my house, and I went there, and I'm meditating, and the first day, it was very calm, I felt like I was, I didn't, it almost felt like I was moving the water, that's what it felt like to me, because my soul kept telling me to move my hands, so I was yeah. just following my soul. The next day, I'm, I'm at the gym, and it's very cold outside, mind you. It's like minus 15, and that's like without wind chills. So it's probably like minus 30. My soul tells me on the way back home, it tells me to go to the same spot to take your shirt off and to meditate on the rock and stay for 30 minutes. I, I looked at in the mirror in my very car, and specific. I said, yes, specific, right? And I said, are you sure? Because I am a baby with the cold. I know I live in Canada, but I don't <laughs> like it. And so I said, are you sure? He says, yes. I said, okay, we're going to do it. So I go, I'm freezing, right? I'm freezing. My eyes are closed. I'm freezing out there. I'm just taking this cold. All of a sudden, I feel something to my right side of my body. And I think that this is maybe like a spirit or maybe my grandfather because he had passed recently. And I was having interesting experiences with him and in my dreams. So it's still there. So I decide to open my eyes and there's an old lady there. And I go, it's interesting. Nobody else is around. An old lady's there, okay? She looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm meditating. And she looks at me and she goes, I usually walk around the edge of the beach here and I look for crystals and I wanted to give you these two. My soul told me to give you these two and I don't know this lady at all. She has two crystals. One of them is a big one, like a huge one. I don't know if it, I still have it. I'm sure it's a crystal, but it, it looks like it's mixed with like rock and crystal. The other one is much smaller, looks like a crystal. She gives them to me and uh, I go, where are you from? And she goes, oh, I'm from a place where you wouldn't know. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, I just, I like to walk up and down the sand and don't mind me. Don't worry about me and you'll be okay. And I said, sorry, she actually asked me, why are you meditating? Because, and then I told her, I said, I'm lost right now. I had my ceremony and I don't know what to do in life. I feel a little lost and I'm doing this like spiritual stuff and I'm a little confused. She goes, don't worry, you're going to be okay. And then she walked up the, up along the sand barefoot where there's it's dark outside and she just walking up and then just and cold. disappeared yeah in the cold just disappeared i don't know where she went i don't know what she was doing she just walked straight up and all of a sudden when i looked i just couldn't see her anymore and i said this story on my tiktok and i had somebody else in hamilton who believes in like star seeds and he like he says that he speaks to the galactic federation but he reached out to me and goes i hope you know that i was an angel and I said, wow, that was the first time in my life that I've ever experienced something like that. So the water, like you said, wow. is extremely powerful. Wow. And I get chills saying it to this day. I, you gave me all kinds of chills, man. That is yeah. powerful. Yeah, dude. yeah if people want to hear the story, it's on my TikTok, but it's way down there. That's a great one to end on, man. That is a great <laughs> one. To end on. Um, 
I want to know. I want. I want to know what your podcast is. So tell the audience what your podcast called. Do you have a name for it yet? Yeah, yeah. So the podcast is going to be the One Love Podcast with Layla and Tobias. Layla's my the partner. One Love or One Love. Ah, we, to be honest, it's not out yet, so we're still. We it's don't know if it's a One Love or One Love Podcast. Yeah, one or the other. I'm sure we're going to have Jerry on for sure. So that's going to be fun, and we're going to hash it out. She loves this stuff, so it's perfect. She she does Reiki. She's a Reiki practitioner, and she also does Tarot and Oracle. But she's more into the energy vibe and into those realms. She's the daydreamer for sure. But she's also very good and practical at communicating. But anyways, yeah, it'll be the One Love Podcast with Leyland Tobias. Um, it'll come out on May 28th. Okay. May 28th is when we'll start rolling out episodes. We we already got a bunch saved up, and we're gonna hash it out with a couple people. I got some people that I want to bring on, and that'll be fun too. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to have that come out. You'll inspire me to keep chasing. Yeah, we have to, man. We have to because it's a spiritual war. It's actually a war. And if we don't do our part, if we don't do our part, it, it'll go in a, a very scary direction. Like the soil is getting bad. The animals are suffering. It's getting worse. And people need to wake up. They need to come back inside and they need to get back to the earth. And with this whole, like I said, this whole Pluto in Aquarius, Pluto governs generations. This is the generation of science, of technology, of AI. We have to be very careful. Yes, this is beautiful. We're making love right now. And this is Aquarius energy. This is cool. Yeah. But I have to do if I could choose, I would have no technology around me. But I have yeah. to do it because majority of people are on technology. So I have to spread my voice in that direction or I'm not doing much at all. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that by 2040, I know it's a very long time, but by 2040, Pluto goes into Pisces. Pisces is the delusional sign. It's a sign of drugs of ayahuasca, of plant ceremonies. It's all about spirituality. It's a side of the subconscious. I'm hoping that by that time, people get so frustrated with technology that we get back into ourselves. We start doing more introspective work. I hope that we don't push the hippie era too much because that will probably come back in a very weird yeah. way. It'll be like yeah. a whole futuristic hippie kind of vibe, yeah. but that's what's coming. So we got to be ready for that stuff. It's so powerful. this is powerful. You're, you're powerful. powerful. What, what this you're is doing powerful. is powerful. Yeah, man. You Thank too. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're you right now. What we're doing right now is we're using the light side of that Aquarius, and absolutely the dark side is the opposite. It's checking out. It's letting our dopamine get drained, which causes depression, which causes apathy, which causes darkness, which causes parents that don't give a shit, which causes generations that get left by the wayside. Now, if that generation goes into the next phase, and it is an opportunity to check out with more drugs and more apathy. And that's what we're looking for. But yeah. I see a lot of great signs of it going the other way. And I'm just going to ride that wave and I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to be part of it. Where can people find you, Tobias? They could find me on Instagram, Tobias, or I'm pretty sure it's Tobias the Coach. And yep, on TikTok, it's Tobias the Astrologer. Okay. Two different accounts, two different names. On TikTok, I talk about astrology. And then on Instagram, I'm pretty much posting inspiration, motivational stuff, a little bit of astrology, a little bit of everything on my Instagram, more personal. But I do have a website. It's, it's uh, www.tobiasmoquette.com. So simple as pie. Book a reading there or just book a consultation. We can hash it out. A bunch of stuff on there. But yeah. All right. I'll put those links in the show notes. And I appreciate those of you who tuned into the very end. I hope you got something sparked within you that maybe you weren't in touch with or maybe you were and it got rekindled or maybe it's just part Absolutely. of your day. But we're yeah. here. We're here for you. And Tobias, thanks for joining me and sharing the love, brother. Hey, like always, man, this is a pleasure. Absolutely. One love. Lots of love. love All right. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace. Right.